have a question for you as we begin this new message series, My Life Verse, and it is simply, do you have a life verse? And what do I mean by a life verse? A life verse is simply a verse in the Bible, or it could be a group of two or three verses that speak to you and your life story in a really personal way. And so when you recall this particular verse or verses, as they just speak into your life, it's almost like the Holy Spirit inspired these words of Scripture just for you. It could be a confirmation verse from years back, or it could be any verse or verses in here that have just been very special to you. How many, just quickly, show of hands, how many have a life verse? Good, and our goal at the end of this series is that every one of you would have a special verse to help guide. There are some benefits for having a life verse. One, it does act as a guide. We can always go back to it to have God speak into our day, whatever it's going on. It also gives you hope and direction. And one I like a lot, too, is a life verse can also be a powerful witness that you can go to someone, and because it's your story, you can say, you know what, can I just share with you a few words that have really been important in my journey? And because they're your words, they are very apt to listen. And it's a great way for you to get the word of God into those conversations. If you don't have a life verse, I know that it can seem daunting for you to sit there and think, you know what, but there are over 31,000 verses in the Bible. Where do I go or where do I even start to find one? Well, to help you out a little bit, I've put together the top six least likely life verses from the Bible. I thought I'd share that with you just to help narrow down the field for you a little bit. The first one is from Exodus 23. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Meh. Right? So this is holy scripture, right? It's spirit breathed, but maybe not the most applicable life verse for you. Or how about Proverbs 31? Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter in soul. A loose Pastor Null translation would say, take him to Benny's. <laughs> right? Give him some strong drink. <laughs> Maybe not the best life verse, though it is biblical, right? Or how about Proverbs 26? Like a dog that returns to its vomit. <laughs> nice image, is a fool who repeats his folly. Or maybe it's Isaiah 20, verse 2. God told Isaiah, loose the sackcloth from your waist and the sandals from your feet 
And so Isaiah, this is in the Bible, Isaiah walked naked and barefoot for three years. Maybe not the most appropriate life verse, especially if you're in confirmation. That's PG-13 pushing the R needle a little bit. Or maybe it's Ecclesiastes 12, 12. Of the making of many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the flesh. Now, why isn't that one of our verses for the family verse of the week in our Christian day school? Right? Much study wearies the flesh. Keep the homework light, teachers, right? Biblical. Or how about this last one from Jesus in Luke 12? Soul, you have material assets laid up for years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> in the next verse, Jesus looks at that life plan and says, fool. So probably not a good life verse to pick either. So there you go. I've narrowed the field by six for you. Uh, but what we're going to do these next five weeks is you're going to hear from four different pastors and our own seminarian, Ted Fisher. And we're each going to share with you our life verse and why it has been so important for us. Now, before I reveal my life verse, I have to tell you that it is my confirmation verse, but it's not the verse I wanted. I wanted a different verse in the Bible, but my mom said you should really have these verses. And you know how moms can be persuasive, right? <laughs> okay, well, these are fine. Thank you. <laughs> but now God has a plan and I can just see it. My life verses are from Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Oh, the happiness of the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. Rather, his delight is in the Torah of the Lord. And on his Torah, he meditates day and night. We're going to start with verse 1 here because you notice in these two verses the person who is truly happy in this life does two things. There's a negative action and a positive action. The negative, he does not walk or stand or sit in that company. The positive action, rather, his delight is in God's word. Verse 1, did you notice as we read through it that there's a narrowing? It goes from a very general wicked to sinners to ultimately scoffers. Scoffers in the Bible are those who openly mock God. They make fun of his word, they make fun of his ways, and they even scoff and make fun of those who follow him. Their only authority in life is themselves. Did you also notice in these verses a very, very dangerous double digression? 
we could draw two down arrows on both margins of this verse. Notice how it goes from walking to standing to sitting. And then notice how it also goes from counsel to weigh to actually seek. See, this dangerous, dangerous path starts by simply walking in their counsel, meaning we are listening to them. We are heeding their words and giving them weight in our lives. And, and from there it digresses to now we are actually standing in their way, meaning that we are on the same path. We are party to their ways, and we are on the same road now together. And then the worst of the worst is now it digresses to actually sitting in their very seats. Meaning we have now become one of them. We have joined their assembly and now do the scoffing ourselves. It's a profound and dangerous influence here, isn't it? In our days, we might hear something like this, you are your friends. Or birds of a feather flock together. Or your friends are like elevators. They can take you up or they can also take you down. Someone has said, show me your closest friends, your closest seven friends, and I will show you your life. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. It's just the way it is. Bad company ruins, ruins, destroys good morals. That if we continuously put ourselves in the company of wicked, sinful, and scoffers, there will be an osmosis. It reminds me of something we used to enjoy doing when we were younger in a lower central Michigan. When it was winter, sometimes our dad would take us downhill sledding. And he had one of those from his childhood one of those really big wooden toboggans. And he put it in the back of his Jeep CJ7. It almost went all the way up to the dash. And he would take us to a hill in Holt, Michigan called Dead Man's Hill. That's a sledding hill, right? Dead Man's Hill. And at the bottom there was a pond that was usually frozen. But maybe that's how it got its name. But what I remember is we'd be sitting on the top of that hill and my dad would make all three of his kids pile on that toboggan first and, and dad would sit in the back and he would plant his size 12 boots firmly in the snow. And then when it was time to go, we would kind of start itching and moving that thing to crest over that hill. And, and if my dad did not feel good about it, he only had about two or three feet to put his boots back in the snow and stop it. Because after just two or three feet, that thing was going down the hill and we were all going with it. It's that same 
power and influence and downward pull of bad company that the psalmist talks about in verse 1. That the power, the lure of, of those who are wicked or sinful or scoffers, man, is it powerful to pull us down. We go farther than we ever thought we would go. It goes faster than we had ever imagined and we find ourselves doing things in groups that we wouldn't do with our morals on our own. And maybe that downhill pressure is starting to dab in pornography, or, or maybe it's starting to steal or shoplift, or, or maybe it's getting into gaming and the gambling and just try it, you'll like it, or or maybe it's into reckless driving, right? There's a bunch of teenagers in a car. Go, 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 go. Or maybe it's drinking or drugging or, or getting pulled into a gossip circle. And man, does the power, once we start down that hill, it gets harder and harder to stop it. And... Vicarage, when I was a student pastor in small town Kansas, one of the privileges I had as a guy who was about as green as it gets was going to a 30-day inpatient treatment center for AA and NA. And I got to sit in the very back of this large classroom with my yellow notebook just taking notes on each day what the counselors would teach. And one of the phrases, I remember the counselors saying again and again to these struggling people with addictions who just wanted to be clean and sober was this. You have to change playgrounds and you have to change playmates. Because if you are trying to be clean and sober, but still in those circle of friends and family who are pulling you down, you will not stay clean or sober. And it's the exact same influence that the psalmist is warning us about here. But see, rather the happiness of a man, rather than being pulled down that direction with bad company. He now says, rather, his delight, his joy, his pleasure is in the Torah of the Lord, and on his Torah he meditates day and night. And our English translations, I can't stand how they translate it. They translate it delights in the law of the Lord. It makes it sound like we're just meditating on a bunch of do's and don'ts and how defeating and discouraging that would be. But the Hebrew word there is literally Torah. It means instruction or teaching. So his delight is in the teaching, the instruction of the Lord, meaning it's everything in here. It's both law, but it's also all of the gospel the one who delights in his teaching, his instruction, his Torah. And just look at what the Psalms say themselves about God's Torah. It's perfect. It's 
blameless. And look what it does in our lives. It revives the soul. And even our soul needs a little jump this morning, this week. You ever read your U version verse or portals of prayer, your Our Daily Bread or another devotional, and, and it was just something after you sat with even that one verse or verses that just lifted your spirit? That's what it says. It revives the soul. It reaffirms, just as verse 1 today, happy are those who walk in it, true happiness. Being in this is better than a thousands of pieces of gold. That's a lot of money. But that doesn't even compare to what's in here. And his Torah is truth. In a world today that is so dark and so confused, we have truth. And I love this last one. Those who love it, those who love his Torah, have great peace. I'm reminded of one of our brothers in Christ who recently passed, Scott Snively, a husband to our fourth grade teacher here, Trudy. And this past Tuesday was his funeral, his life celebration in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that just has stuck vivid with me is Pastor Micah, for his message, brought up Scott's Bible. And it was beaten and battered and twice as thick as it was originally, and it was really worn out and marked up and had all sorts of inserts in it. And that image of this man who delighted in the Torah of the Lord comes to mind. And the phrase that says, a Bible that's falling apart belongs to someone who isn't. His delight is in the Torah of the Lord. And on his Torah, his teaching, he meditates day and night. The Hebrew word there for meditate is Hagah. Hagah. You know what it means? It's literally like an animal chewing its cud. <laughs> Have you ever seen a cow eat? Right? So you take God's word and it's saying you gnaw on it. And then you ingest it. And then you regurgitate it, and you gnaw on it some more, and you ingest it, and then you regurgitate it again. And as you're doing this, it's literally becoming a part of you. Here's what Martin Luther said it can do for you, for me, in his large catechism. Martin Luther said, nothing is so powerful against the devil and the world and our flesh and all evil thoughts as to occupy oneself with God's word. To speak about it and meditate on it in a way just as Psalm 1 verse 2 calls those blessed who meditate on it day and night. The psalm in verse 3 closes with quite an image this morning of the person who doesn't go down that dangerous path but just has this love for God's word and, and let it become part of them. Look at this image in verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by canals 
of water. It gives its fruit in its season, and no matter what's going on around it, its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he makes prosper. Right? The person who's delighting in chewing this cud is like that tree that just has this constant water supply and nutrients pouring into the soul and the heart and the mind. And as the Holy Spirit works through that, it produces this fruit of the Spirit in one's life, a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And so that no matter what kind of drought conditions are going on around us in this culture today, no matter what kind of storms of life might come and batter that tree, it stands. Because it has that continual nutrient flowing into its life. And everything that that person does prospers because it's the blessedness of a life given here. I hope you can see now my life verse and, and how it has spoken to my life and continues to do so. It gives that honest warning at the beginning and then it, it gives us those words of encouragement and that that image of a life in Jesus and his word of this evergreen producing tree. It's about the richness of a life spent here. Amen.